welcome to Side Alpha Leadership, a podcast where leaders can share their experiences and discuss what leadership means to them. I'm your host, David Polikoff. Welcome to Side Alpha Podcast for the uh, April edition. Uh, right now, uh, we are, in case you've been living under a rock, we're uh, in the middle of this uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. So we are kind of, uh, I don't want to say shelter in place. That's not what we're doing in the state of Maryland. But the governor did uh, give us a uh, stay home policy. So uh, that's kind of uh, where we are right now with where we're at our, our stay home uh, policy. So with that being said, this is the first podcast I've ever done over the phone. Um, I know in the past we've done podcasts with some other, or I've participated in podcasts with other uh, uh, people over the phone, and they just sound awful. So I'm hoping that uh, I can uh, post-production edit this thing so I have some good levels so I can keep up with the uh, with the uh, how my, the rest of my podcasts sound, how good they sound when I'm person to person. So uh, the governor of Maryland, Governor Hogan, has asked us to uh, you know. Uh, have the uh, the stay at home uh, unless you're an essential employee. Obviously, being a firefighter, I'm essential employee, a central a, bleh, a um an essential uh, employee. But uh, when I'm home, we're uh, we're kind of just kind of hunkered down in the house, and uh, we need to do our social distancing. So, uh, without further ado, uh, my guest today is uh, my buddy Sam Villani. He was on here a couple of months ago. And uh, we are practicing extreme social distancing. So I think as the crow flies, he's about five miles from me uh, on the road. It's probably about seven to eight miles. So, uh, Sam, welcome to Side Alpha Leadership again. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me on, man. Um, so a few things have changed since the last, the last, uh, podcast that you and I did together, we had talked about mentoring and at the time you're a cat, you were a captain. Now you still are a captain, but you've actually assumed a new role. So why don't you go ahead and, and, uh, let the, the dozens of listeners that are tuned into this podcast, uh, know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, around, I guess a month and a half ago, I received a call and, uh, from this, uh, sea shift duty operations chief where we work asking me if I would consider a, uh, long-term temp spot in the second battalion uh as the chief there and uh i i asked him if i could call him back i called home talked to the to the uh, real boss my wife and uh she agreed that it was a, a great opportunity and i immediately called him back and accepted um for two weeks i was actually as you very well know in your spot in the one four relief spot and uh got my first fire <laughs> <laughs> got my first fire in the fourth battalion last uh, I guess what a week and a half ago now and um it was a yeah. two alarm fire in a garden apartment that I had actually ran fires both as a, a volunteer in the early 90s and as a career firefighter in the early 2000s so I was very uh, intimately familiar with those gardens and I think between that and having a uh, very heads up battalion chief in the car with me uh Monty Fitch and um us both knowing those buildings very well and the first the first two companies engine and truck were on the spot. They uh, did 100%. Um, I couldn't have asked for any, any better outcome. And uh, it's one of those things where you kind of expect your first fire to go terribly. Um, and this one went great. Um, there's always room for improvement. And I, I just, my biggest thing is I need to slow down. <laughs> I need to like slow my pace down a bit and listen a little more. Um, but other than that, I think it went very well. And now I'm parked in the uh, 2nd Battalion on C-Shift. And I worked my first shift there uh, the other day, and I'm starting to get my um, 
get my sea legs in the second. Yeah, I know uh, we'll talk about your fire you had in, in a minute. Uh, just to let people know that uh, my position, I've changed positions as well. I uh, moved on as uh, the first battalion chief or the battalion one chief on the sea shift, and uh, that opened up an opportunity for uh, for Sam to uh, get bumped up into my Tuesday-Friday spot, and he did that for about two or three weeks, and now he's the sea shift battalion chief in the second battalion. And uh, so... Uh, before we talk about your fire, I, there was another uh, call that you ran, and there you didn't tell me about it, but a lot of people told me about it, was the, um, I guess it was more of a, a slopey vac or a scree vac there off of, uh, off of um, uh, it was actually over an embankment over in a bridge down in a little, uh, uh, the, the uh, northwest branch. And from what I heard, I know you ran the call and those guys were out doing their thing or the truck companies were doing their thing. And the, all I heard was that Sam was up on top of the bridge like a cheerleader cheering us on. And, you know, you guys are awesome. You're doing a great job. And uh, so I just kind of started laughing. I said, yeah, that's Sam. <laughs> cheerleader all the way. So, But I thought it was kind of cool because you don't really get that that much in the fire service um, of, of guys or gals that are in these uh, – management positions or these leadership positions actually being there and cheering the guys on and saying you're doing a great job and awesome and this and that uh without gushing or being uh fake i mean you're 100 percent genuine when you do stuff like that i've known you for a long long time so i thought that was kind of cool to hear um when they told me that you know i wasn't really surprised i'm like yeah that's sam but but a lot of the people that were on the scene of that call were like yeah man he was like jumping up and down and clapping and saying you guys are awesome doing a great job so kudos to you sam for for, you know, <laughs> recognizing when the guys are doing a good job, you tell them, hey, you're doing a good job. We've talked about that uh, on a couple of, of these shows where we talked about leadership and the traits that leaders have is praise your people. You know, nobody wants to hear the bad. We always hear the bad, but hear the good. So kudos for that. Now, moving to this uh, garden apartment fire that you had, I actually listened to it from time of dispatch uh, to the on-scene report to just about when you declared the fire under control. So I was probably listening for about 45 minutes uh, straight through, and uh, I was very impressed. You know, I was like, all right, let me find something that I could critique, critique him about because he's going to call me. Let me see if I can't find uh, something that, that uh, you know, I can give him some, hey, you can do this the next time. But, you know, to be honest with you, and I'm not saying this because you're my friend, but uh, you did a really good job. You maintained the composure. Uh, you were calm on the radio. You asked for information. If you didn't hear something, you told them to repeat it back to you. Uh, you made sure that they understood the um, the objectives that you were giving them. Uh, you ended up having uh, quite a bit of fire. I, th I talked to the guys actually yesterday because I was working overtime in the 4th Battalion, and they said, that uh, they said yeah, we had uh, a living room, a dining room, a hallway, and a back bedroom all on fire. They had to fight their way into the apartment. Plus, you had some um, leapfrogging from the floor uh, to the floor above and you had fire on the floor above and you, you managed to keep it out of the cock loft and, and uh, that was fantastic so you know I really can't uh, say that I heard anything any any criticisms that I could give you for your for your first fire that you were in charge of you you did a, a really good job and uh, you sounded like you'd been doing it for a long time and I'll I'll touch on that in a second but I also did talk to Monty because the next day you know I was working and uh, the first thing Monty said was yeah Sam did a really good job and, and you know Monty he didn't say anything good about anybody but uh, <laughs> he said you did a really good job so so congratulations on that now what I want to ask you is did and, and for those that don't know 
we go all over the country with uh, capital fire training. I mean, we do a variety of different training topics. And one of the things that I do is uh, uh, incident command. And, and we'll go out, we'll talk about NIMS, we'll talk about incident command, and then we give them radios and we let them give on-scene reports. And then at the very end, we have like 10 scenarios that we put together through fire simulation program and we give them a radio and, and Sam is my radio guy. He's in the back of the room. He's dispatching calls. He's playing the four engine companies. He's playing two truck companies, the rescue squad. He's playing the other battalion chiefs that are coming, the EMS crews and anybody else that, uh, that I tell him to be. So he's role playing all this stuff. So I have to ask you, uh, do you think that, you know, being involved with that, uh, for the last few years that we've done that, did it help you a little bit or did it keep you like, hey, this is what I have to do. I know how to use these charts. I know how to, you know, get information from people and all that. So did that help you at all? Yeah, I think uh, three things, uh, and I've thought about this a lot lately especially, three things have, have definitely influenced my, um, me developing my style. And, I, you know, I'm still, I'm still in the development mode of my, <laughs> now I probably won't run another legit fire for six months or something like that. But, um, so uh, three things. One, one is certainly my interaction with you, um, not only just uh, helping as the radio dispatcher, but, but seeing what you do, listening to you on the fire ground. Um, I listened to you since, really, since you were a lieutenant at, back at, at, at six, right? Um, yeah. So six. I've listened to you come up, and then, and then as, a, as an incident commander, of course, uh, the, the, the first fire, and I, I've probably listened to that thing a dozen times, was a 9300 Piney Branch. And I, I, the way you handled that, I'm like, I want to be able to do that. Um, I want to be able to, to show up, uh, you know, as a, as a relatively new battalion chief or, you know, I thought mine would be six months down the road, not, not last week, and be able to uh, stay calm on the radio, direct my resources, make sure I have uh, accountability for everybody, and not just check the boxes. And I don't mean just, you know, we do have, I think checklists are huge we're not just checking the boxes. We're not letting the boxes direct us. It's kind of like computer aided dispatch. You don't, um, you don't let the, the computer dictate your dispatch and you, you let it aid you in your dispatching process. But, um, so, you know, that definitely helped. And then I, I I've been a dispatcher for both our, uh, battalion chief promotional process, uh, been a role player there as well. And then also with our command competencies program, since its inception, I've been a dispatcher off and on and now um here in the past couple of years of coming back i took a two-year break from everything as, as you very well know when i was running the recruits it was just such a busy job i, I didn't want to uh rob i didn't want to take any time from that job it was so busy and so important you know the newest folks coming through you wanted to make sure they had everything you needed and that was a full-time job also being a dad yeah. You, you know, don't forget you were also being a dad at the time yeah right yeah <laughs> and then you add, add to being a new dad and then, um, yeah, and, and the third thing is, is uh, you know, I've had a lot of really good mentors. And, it, you know, it goes back to, to yourself. A lot, of, a lot of people who I've been in fires with, I've been on difficult fires with, you know, back to Monty, I could, it was so neat um, being in the car with Monty. I mean, you know, in February of 01, when I made my, my grab, I, I transmitted a mayday after I handed that baby out the window because I had tossed, like, that, you know, that's back when I thought tossing it, you tossed everything around. And I, I tossed the basement looking for a second child that I thought was down there. And I, actually, that the twin was upstairs. Got got disoriented. The fire took off. There wasn't a line down there. Transmitted a mayday. Uh, it did not go through because it was on a radio I had um, acquired. It was that we didn't have a, a, a 
portable radio for the, the E3 position at the time. And the first person down there and the person that got me up out of there was Monty. So I've had this, um, I think, you know, kindred uh, brotherhood relationship with him since then. And, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a handful of folks on the job today that, that in my world can do no wrong. And uh, you're certainly one of them. Monty's one of them. Uh, Kelvin Thomas, there's a handful of other guys that have been really just been true. Uh, I mean, true friends, true mentors, and uh, been very honest with me. And I think that's helped develop who I am. And I'm, I'm, I'm ever the grateful for it. And it's awesome. You know, the one thing about the fire, and, and you know, you know this as a fact because I tell this is what I usually end my class on. I tell people, you know. You can burn an entire row of apartments or an entire row of townhouses to the ground as long as you sounded good doing it. No one will ever question you. And, uh, you know, 100%, you sounded uh, really good on the radio. Uh, you had a lot of fire in front of you. You were putting the guys in harm's way. That's, you know, that's what they signed up for. But, uh, you know, when you're sitting in the car and you're t- putting those people in harm's way, it's a it's an armpit sweating moment, that's for sure. And it's a nail biter and you want to make sure that uh, they're going to be safe. And uh, your voice never got above calm. And when you stay calm on the radio, you're calm on the fire ground. That transmits that calm uh, that everything's going good and keep doing business as usual. So, you know, good job on your first fire. And uh, believe me, there'll be more to come. Uh, the cool thing is, is that uh, you being in Battalion 2 on C-Shift and I'm Battalion 1 on C-Shift, we'll get to run with each other every now and then. So that should be cool, uh, too. I can't wait. I can't wait for that. I'm really, really looking forward to beating you in your area too. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, considering I did my bump up training with you and I rode as the passenger, uh, I don't. <laughs> you're, you're an eight. You're a better ace behind the wheel than I am. I'm still, I'm still a nervous Nelly. You know, having not driven uh, emergency apparatus for quite a long time. Uh, you know, being on the right front seat for, I guess, twelve years. Uh, you know, going transitioning to driving something with lights and sirens and kind of being on your own. I'm definitely uh, I'm not timid, but I'm I'm trying to uh, I'm trying not to trying to you know do it right and and uh, not overdo yeah. it because it's you know as you very well know you get that that vehicle behind you and it's very easy to kind of overdo it a bit and I don't want to yeah, especially the uh, the new battalion vehicles are they're pretty fast so uh definitely keep your yeah keep your head about you and don't get complacent because that's when you 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 know you get into issues and uh yeah drive uh you know accordingly you definitely don't want to drive like a maniac so no um let's uh let's transition a little bit you know one of the things that i talked about you know when we're talking about taking on these this position as a as management or as 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 a leader um you know, moving into that battalion chief role, you went you went from uh, managing seven to eight people on a twenty four hour basis to about forty some people on a twenty four hour basis in less less than a day. Um, it's kind of like getting promoted from firefighter lieutenant. You went from right in the back of the bucket to the front seat. Um, so you, a lot gets thrown out at you. So uh, what I want to talk about a little bit is is um, connecting with your people and then uh we'll finish this uh, podcast and we'll talk about the expectations that we would like to throw out to our people you know what we expect of them and then kind of let them know what they can expect to us now um like i told you a little while ago i'm i'm uh I've become a, a pretty voracious reader lately i've uh, gravitated towards a lot of the military books um because they don't seem to be as subjective as the fire rescue books. They're, they're, uh, they're kind of based in the military doctrine, whether it be, you know, Army, Navy or Air Force or Marine Corps. Um, 
they uh, they kind of focus around the things that they took from basic training and officer candidate school and NCO classes and stuff like that. So um, one of the books that I'm reading right now is called The Military Leader. It's by Andrew Stedman. Now, for those that aren't familiar with Andrew Stedman, he also has a website called The Military Leader as well as a podcast called The Military Leader. So anybody that's uh, that can hear my voice, I highly recommend you uh, going back and listening to his podcast because he gets a lot of really good people on there. They're, you know, uh, captains and majors, colonels, lieutenant colonels, generals, um, retired, active duty. Um, he gets a lot of really good people on his podcast. So I went and bought his book, and I've been, I'm kind of halfway through it right now. But one of the chapters that I'm on right now is called 14 Simple Ways to Connect with Your People. And I read through it, and, and uh, what I like to do is when I'm reading this military stuff is how can I parallel that or how can I kind of fit that into the um, – and to the fire service, and uh, I had Shelly Wheeler on here last month, and, and we talked a little bit about the military when she was in the Coast Guard, and, and how can you take those lessons you learned in in the uh, in the military service and kind of fit that into the fire service, and it's actually a lot easier than people think it is, minus all of the uh, you know the yelling and screaming because we don't even do that in recruit class, you know we don't we're not drill instructors, but. Uh, um, I wanted to go through a few of these things and, and uh, you know, kind of break them apart and, and uh, see where they fit into the fire service and how we can uh, kind of take what these examples are and, and move them through. So there's 14 of them. A couple of them don't fit the fire service, but uh, but the majority of them do. The first one was uh, learning your people's first name. Um and it's real easy as a lieutenant or a captain when you have, you know, anywhere from five to eight people on your shift. Yeah, you, you pretty much that's your family and, and you can you know who they are and you know everything about them. But when you're dealing with 40 people, it uh, it can get kind of difficult. So at a minimum, I, I make sure that I know all my captains and lieutenants because those are the people that I'm going to first. And uh, then I can go from there. But uh, I think it's important that you learn the people that you are going to be, you know, responsible for, you know, their first name. So when you do have to sit down with them, you can have personal conversations because we we run into personal issues in the fire service. You want to be able to connect them on that uh, basic level of not just boss to subordinate, but more of person to person. What do you think, Sam? No, absolutely. I think we also have a a distinct advantage in that um, not only have we been with one agency for, you know, you for, what 30 30 30 32 32 years and me for 20 we know a lot of the folks that are in either senior uh, firefighter positions or master firefighter lieutenant captain and on up it's knowing and we also have another advantage in that we we teach the recruits so we we know i I, there was a gap of recruits that i didn't teach i did a didactic portion of uh rc 37 and then 38 39 and 40 I didn't have much dealings with, uh, and 41 was my first class I ran as the recruit guy. But so there's not many folks on this job that I don't already know at least first name. So you, you think about the military, they could transfer you to the other side of the world. And, and, you know, I know talk, in talking to Dave Braun and some of the other Marines, you end up in, in theater or in, in a, in a, I don't know, battalion company, whatever. And you might know one or two folks from either, um, basic training or, or from, you know, AIT or whatever they, especially schools or from prior deployments. But most of those folks you're having to learn this. Certainly as a commander, you're probably going in there and starting anew. 
uh, minus maybe maybe a few people. So we have that advantage, <clears throat> but it, it is huge because it, it shows it, it, at the very base level, it shows that you care for them. And, um, you know, going back, I talking to, you know, just taking a quick step back to mentors, my, my battalion chief in the first battalion on the HF, Mark Davis, I've, I've, um, tried to, you know, emulate as much of, of his leadership style as possible. He, I think he does it, uh, very well. And he's, um, very personable with the, with the, uh, the folks in the firehouse. Um, he definitely knows first names. He has, he, he's, he's always, he always defaults to being the battalion chief. But for example, like on my shift, um, at, back at one, uh, Jason Mello is a big pass fan, a big football guy. Um, and Chief Davis will trade blows. You know, he's a big, huge, he's a huge Ravens fan. They'll trade blows back and forth about football. And that's just one example of many, but he, he's, he's developed that rapport. And really that's what it is. You, you develop a rapport with us because God forbid um, something bad happens. You know, the, uh, as they say, I guess the, the term these days is things go sideways. Something goes sideways and, and you're having to deal directly with uh, the outcome of that through one of those, one of those firefighters that, that you're, you know, ultimately in charge of. You're the captains and lieutenants are, are their, their primary um, supervisors, but you're the tertiary supervisor and, and it really falls on your shoulders. So it's, uh, it's very, very important to, to establish that rapport early on. And I did my first set of rounds, you know, the other day, and I'd say fully 90% of the folks I know or have had an interaction with. And then another, like, 50% I've been in situations with fires, recruit school, uh, <laughs> trouble off duty. <laughs> I mean, not bad, trouble, you know, carrying on back when we used to carry on and that kind of stuff. But uh, it's funny, I, I, I just looked, you know, I did a, quick size of, my, of the battalion that, that I'm running right now. And I, I felt pretty, uh, pretty comfortable with the folks, uh, at least with knowing names. And there were only a few people I didn't know their first names. So yeah, that's huge. I think, uh, you know, we had talked to, uh, when we talk about leadership and we talk about respect and how you have to earn that, I think that's a huge, uh, avenue to take or a pipeline to, become a respected leader when you start knowing who the people that are working for and with you are um it shows those guys and you know firemen never show their feelings but it shows them in the back of their mind they're like that guy knows who i am (laughs) and i think that's that goes a long way uh i knew you know kind of getting off topic a little bit when uh in my younger days i played hockey all the way up until i was uh, like 40 some years old and uh, one gentleman in particular he used to play I want to say he played for the uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins um, ended up over in Laurel as uh, a hockey coach his name's Nelson Burton and um, so I played on his teams for years and uh, he always knew me always knew me by name um, but uh, I guess he, I stopped playing uh, for Nelson and started playing for our fire department league. So it was probably, I want to say maybe six or seven years I hadn't seen him. And, uh, out of the blue, my wife and I were at a caps game down in DC and, uh, he came walking up I'm like, Hey Nelson, what's up? And, and he said, Hey Dave, how you doing? And it just struck me as, is like, wow, that guy remembered me <laughs> out of the hundreds and hundreds of of adults and kids that he uh that play for him and uh it's funny because i said the same thing to brian vane who was your master down there at uh, one engine uh brian uh, brian plays hockey and so does his boy um 
knows Nelson Burton, and he said that guy's phenomenal. He knows yeah, everybody heard, on all the teams. Name. And uh, it's that kind of memory. And he, here's a guy, a hockey player, who was uh, you know took a lot of blows to the head, yet his memory is still working really well. Um, I'm lucky if I can remember my kids' names. <laughs> but, um, I want to say he's still coaching, th- right? He probably is. I, I think, think he's over in in Piney Orchard or something. Okay. Yeah, I know Brian has mentioned – he's definitely mentioned him and mentioned his style. And, um, you know, he he mentioned uh, – I, I specifically remember him mentioning that he's – um if you didn't know anything about hockey and didn't know anything about the kids or, or the coach, you'd think he's kind of hard on them, but they love it. And um, I think right. it's almost that, that kind of thing, like it's – you know, that might be their first adult interaction with somebody that's not their parents that's held them accountable for something after after he's taught them something and then seen that come to fruition and seen that seen the yield of it. And, and you know, for me, I don't know much about hockey. If I went in there, I'd be like, damn, that guy's kind of a hard ass. But yeah, well, that's, that's one of the things I can say about Nelson is, as I yeah. always viewed him as a really good leader, um, you know, I, I would always have strived to at least remember all the people that I come in contact with. And, you know, you and I, we teach all up and down the East Coast and we go out to Indiana, we go down to Nashville and we meet all these people. And, and it's like, uh, you know, you, you're like, hey, Dave, how you doing? I was like, hey, man, what's going on? But and I just I have a hard time remembering who they are. And there's one lesson that I did learn from Frank Ritchie. He said, instead of telling somebody, hey, nice to meet you, he said that can end up into this kind of embarrassing situation where when somebody walks into your classroom and they say, hey, how you doing? And you go, hey, nice to meet you. And that guy's already met you, say, six, seven months ago or even a year ago. It basically you just told that guy, you're not important and I have no idea who you are. He said, you know, think of a different type of greeting as opposed to, hey, nice to meet you. It's say, hey, man, thanks for coming. Hey, I really appreciate you being here type of deal. So that way you don't kind of alienate that guy that uh, even though you don't remember what his name is. And um, that's definitely the one thing is you got to learn your people's names. Uh, that's a great uh, avenue to, to start to become a respected leader. And, uh, you know, so I would have anybody, if you got to do cue cards, you know, we have it. Uh, an advantage we have our telestaff program i can go on the computer and see who's working that day or who's on my shift and i can write everybody's name down and i can go through the cue cards i might not be remembering the streets <clears throat> and and the, the running routes like these guys that are sitting at the table and they're going out of their way to learn the running routes by heart it's the least that a leader or a supervisor can do is to make some cue cards of the people that you work with and learn who they are in their station assignment. So there's my there's my lesson, my my, uh, my homework assignment for the for the uh, many people that are listening to this is to uh, go out there and, and learn your people's names. Um, kind of moving on into the next part, staying with the same theme is learning the spouses or significant others' names. How important is that to you, Sam? Or or as as a new uh, your next. Um, role in leadership to know the spouse's names. What's the advantage of that? No, it's huge. Um, you know, as a, as a company officer, you're, it's pretty easy because, uh, you develop such a tight knit rapport and, and, um, relationship with those guys. Like I, you know, I've only been separated from one engine for four weeks now. And, uh, I could, you know, I mean, I know so much about them. They know so much about me. It's, it's a minus riding the fire trucks with them. And, and, and granted during this time, I wish I was with them as, as much, uh, you know, being in the via, being in the car, you're not, you're not directly. You know, there, I think our chances of, of getting COVID are not direct, but we still, 
the, our degree of interaction in the firehouse, we would, I think we would get it through what they, I guess they would commonly call community transmission, but, um, but I wish I was with them because I know they're going through a very difficult time. Uh, I know there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, our first do without COVID was very stressful and high speed, as you very well know. And uh, it, it, part of it, I, I love this opportunity and I'm, I'm enjoying it. And I hope it, I hope it does lead to promotion. And I, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be more honored or happier that the department reached out to me um, and thought of me. I really, you know, I'm very self-deprecating. So I think I'm, you know, I got to the point there for a little while where I was like, ah, maybe I'm not going to get promoted. No. And I was fine with that. It's a win-win. I love, I love my shift. I love 1A. I love everybody on that shift like a brother. And um, knowing their spouses, knowing their kids, uh, it's huge because, you know, I've been, as you very well know, I've been in the hospital a handful of times. And um, most recent, the, the last time I was at the hospital was at the burn center. Or a burn, what they thought was a burn inhalation. Thankfully, it was not. But uh, <clears throat> Mark Mecklen, who's a very close friend of mine, knew my wife Maria and knew her well enough uh, that he shot over and uh, picked her up and had her down at the burn center literally before a lot of other folks um, that probably should have been down there made it there. And uh, it, 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 it's, it's huge. You've got to know. God forbid you don't know and something happens and you're calling that spouse and you're saying, hey, uh, you know, John or Brian or Sam or whoever uh, is hurt and I need you to come to the hospital or I need you to do this or that. And, and it's you don't want you don't want the, the worst thing in the world happening to that family uh, for you that 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 to be your first interaction with that with that with that spouse. And the spouses have to know that you're, you know, you are the captain. Like it's, it's even at like the holiday party, the guys remarked uh, this last Christmas party that one engine had on a shift. Um, I, I sat in the back and I was, they said, you look like a proud papa. I was just watching everybody doing their thing. And uh, I am, I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm the captain, I'm the senior. I was, you know, I'm the senior guy on the shift and I'm the oldest guy on the shift. It's a first for me in my entire career where I've been uh, the most senior uh, the, the, you know, the company officer and the oldest, usually it's, you know, there's somebody older than you on the shift that's, um, you know, that's, that's spent more time in the ranks than, than you, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's huge. It's, there's, there's no, there's no replacement for it. There's nothing, there's no, there's no, um, no excuse for not knowing it. Even if you've got to really, if you got to reach out to them to, to get that familiarity, uh, right off the bat, it's, it's, it's very important, ever the important. I know uh, you talked about the hospital, and that's kind of the, the next uh, bullet point that uh, that um, Andrew Stedman had in this, in this chapter was go to the hospital, and, and uh, uh, that goes beyond just like, hey, one of your guys was hurt uh, on the job, and you're going to go to the hospital. Of course you're going to do that because you know, you're know you their direct supervisor, and, and that's what you're going to do. But it's also the off-duty things that happen, births of a child, um, maybe a spouse is sick in the hospital, maybe you got hurt off duty and uh, you're in the hospital or, you know, who knows what is going on um, to go to the hospital and to just be there uh, not only shows, you know, that you're a human being and that you have compassion, but you actually care for your people and you genuinely care what happened to them. I know, I know that I, I visited a friend in the hospital who literally had just had their baby 
probably about two hours prior, <laughs> and uh, I was already in the Columbia area, and hey, uh, I hadn't even had a shower yet. <laughs> yeah, it was you. <laughs> hadn't even had a shower yet, and you know, I told my wife, I was like, you want to go see Sam and Maria? And he's like, yeah. So we got there, and I was really upset because I thought I got there before your in-laws got there. <laughs> So That's all right. I was like, wow, I can't be the first one to see the baby, but no, no, we they had so gone out to get to something to eat. I, I know there's, you know, and they, again, you know, family dynamic, right? It's, it's some people are very private and, and you learn that you learn that through this rapport that you develop with your, with your people. But, uh, yeah, but you know how I am. I mean, uh, every, everybody's family to me. And, uh, that, that meant the world that you guys came through. I, I, I it was so awesome. And uh, especially yeah, because I, we're, we're kind of new to Howard County, we just moved out here from Baltimore. Having you close by was huge. Having uh, you know the other folks that uh, you know, even on my shift, I've got Kyle Schultz out here. Martino just moved north, but he lives in Columbia. You know, these guys are you know all the guys on my shift. But um, you know, I had it, it was nice. It was yeah, it's huge. That's it, there's it means so much. It means it really coming from the the receiving end and. And you know how you feel when you come in as the as the boss or as the as the colleague or or mentor or whatever. It, it means so much. It's it's it really puts you know. Todd always talk about you know warms your heart and it really does. That really really warms your heart. And that that and, and you know you need to be genuine too. So you know if one of your guys are hurt and and you go and visit him in the hospital and you you tell the the the, the family the family members whether it be the mom and dad or the significant other or spouse or whatever you know if you if you give them that if you need anything please let me know you got to genuinely mean that because they may call you and say hey we're having a problem with this time card we're having a problem with leave we're having a problem with this it's your responsibility to reach out and make sure that that gets taken care of um, I know when RJ got hurt we. Spent been a lot of time at the hospital more time yeah. than i'd ever want to spend at the hospital but um we did we spent between uh being there at uh at uh shock trauma and in, in, uh in baltimore and as well as the national rehab hospital in dc um but that's what you do you know obviously rj's a friend and a colleague but um you, you gotta go and you gotta you gotta got to go to the hospital and not just for the for the uh you know for the sad events you know when somebody's hurt but like for the birth and things like that so you got you got to get out there as a leader you need to make sure that uh your people understand that you your caring for them goes beyond uh the four walls of the firehouse and and the 24-hour shift that you're there for um the uh, he talked about paternity leave. We get that all automatically for our uh, for our guys. But you need to be able to guide your people uh, to get them on paternity leave because you know running through the different types of leave that we have. We have uh, the Family Medical Leave Act, and we have paternity leave, and, and the lengths of time. There's some confusion uh, for some of the newer guys that are new in the fire service that have kids or have uh, babies. And it's your responsibility to guide them through that. So that's one less stressful thing. So for the people out there um, that are in these management leadership positions, you need to make sure you're familiar with the different types of leave that are offered to your people and step up to the plate. Don't wait for them to come to you. Go to them and and say, you know, hey, are you okay on these types of leave? And uh, hey, do you need some help navigating this kind of stuff? We'll go, we'll go through that. So I know we don't have to dig into that, but um, the next one was uh, the holiday and anniversary cards now i know i've sent uh christmas cards out to, to my friends and things like that 
But uh, how important is it, you know, Sam, for you uh, to know not only know your the guys that you work with their birthdays, but maybe even their anniversaries, so you can like, at least send them a card, if uh, at at least a, an e card or something like that, an email. What you think? No, yeah, it's huge. It it goes back to tying yourself. You're so you know. I try to. I've been working on this, like uh, not working on it, but it's the way I communicate um, how serious it is to to be tight with the people on your shift. It's like we come into work, we, we took an oath and we come into work and we're going to risk our life for a complete stranger. Why would we not be as tight as we could very be um, with the people we work with? It's like, you know, you could get into the firehouse and five minutes later, you're pulling me out of a hole in the, in a, you know, in a, uh, in a floor and into a burning basement. Or I'm doing that for you. It's just so, it, and I think we take it for granted sometimes because, again, it goes back to that you know invincibility complex that some of us have early on in our careers. You you, you were able to kind of uh, hone that in uh, with your, your your age and experience, but um, just that extra little bit. It's that it's showing that hey, not only do I know who you are and care about who you are and care about your your significant other, but um, I care I care enough to say hey, you know uh, I I send cards to my family on these occasions. So I'm going to send them to my second family at the firehouse as well. I, I, I'm deficient on that. Uh, I, the way I do it, um, the holiday party, I think is a, is a way I'm able to kind of, I, I kind of get, you know, a, I definitely get a lot of face time with the families, uh, with the significant others. And I, I do a, a Christmas gift every year for the shift. I think most people do this, but I do, um, I hand screen printed sweatshirts last uh, the year before last, and this past Christmas I actually I, I designed it, and uh, and and you know had it had it made commercially. But it's you know it's it's that that's my piece. I I get that out there um, to kind of you know it, it shows shows that you care, but it also it's something I want to do. I love to do this, and I think the the, the folks on the shift enjoy it. And I think it transmits. I think the, the spouses know, hey, well, you know, he's he's doing all this stuff. He, he must really love these guys, and I really do. And I think they know it. I I, I know, without a doubt. I mean, I I I was the officiant at uh, one of my firefighters' weddings. I'm going to be the officiant at another one of my firefighters' weddings here at the end of May, uh, provided we 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 uh, flatten the curve, which I'm I'm hoping. You know, I'm hoping every day we do. Indeed. But uh, so that's the way I do it. Everybody's got their own style. But I, I tell you what, since you've mentioned that, and I've heard it before, but I really didn't stick. But I mean, it's definitely something I'm going to put my um, put my head to do. My wife's really good at cards, so it might be one of those things where um, I, I, I enlist her in helping me because she's really she is way better with that style of communications than I am, and and uh, you know that's she's. She sends, I mean, we were sending like, oh, I don't know. And you know how it works. You look at your card count for Christmas. You're like, holy geez. And we do send cards. We sent cards to everybody on the shift. We sent cards to people that have been on shift with, that have been in the re- recruit school with. Um, you know, you look at your card count, you're like, it has 250 cards. But, you know, all, all 250 of those people, you you know, you, you'd give the shirt off your back for and you love. And, um, yeah, it's huge, man. Yeah, and at the end of the day, the wife ends up knocking them out. And I do my part where I go <laughs> so and mail them. 
I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because uh, if you want to get all these uh, all this information, you're going to have to buy the book, The Military Leader. So I'm not going to uh, read off all those points. But uh, one of the last points I want to hit is something that you and I have done uh, together uh, <clears throat> for a long time. And I started it with, uh, with actually Brady Miller, who's a captain down in Tacoma. But uh, is is uh, help your people prepare for the promotional exam. Um, it's one of those things that uh, for lieutenants, captains, and battalion chiefs, I have always offered uh, my assistance if you want it. Um, I tell them, here's the date. You can come to me, and um, we'll spend the entire day, and we'll talk about incident command. We'll talk about taking command. We'll talk about giving on-scene reports. All the things that you need as an officer riding that front seat, we'll talk about making decisions and things like that and you've been a part of that with me for the last few years and uh how how do you think that that and i know i watch these guys because i tell them you know let me know how you do on the exam i'm curious to make sure that i'm hitting the right points and i'll even ask them you know hey you know did 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 anything that i do help you and if they got one thing from me that that helped them i think that's mission accomplished what uh how how have you received that, Sam, and, and the stuff that you sent through when you've gone through your exams? Is you think that stuff is is helpful? And there's other people out there that do it. It's not just me. And the funny thing is, is that now I kind of coordinate my time around the other chiefs that are doing stuff. So we're not doing it together. So all these people that are taking these promotion exams can actually hit the different chief officers that are doing stuff. What's your take on this? Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's great, and uh, you know, I've always been thankful that you've included me in, and. And, um, you know, it's, again, it's one of those things that I hope to be able to do one day, um, you know, for my people directly. And, and you've, you've opened it up countywide. You really, you know, you've, the past couple you've had, and, and I remember the, the battalion chief one. Um, so it was not the list I'm on, but the, the previous list. And uh, I had uh, more than one battalion chief that got promoted off that list that were in your class come up to me and say, and I know they said it to you too, but how um, helpful that was. And it's, you know, you only have a finite amount of time. So you're only getting, you know, a handful of incidents in and they might only run one or two, but what that does is it springboards their learning. So they they're able to take what they did there and apply it. And these days there's, there's so many ways you can do it. It used to be, you'd had to get like, you know, scanning pictures and kind of do it that way. And now there's these apps, you know, the whole um, Sims you share, uh, which seems to be pretty, pretty popular. And it works very well, and, it's, and, and the fact that you can even do it on your phone is, is huge. Um, but I think it springboards their their learning. Um, it it kind of gives them a. It gives them somebody who's hey, well this this person cares enough. I'm going to go to this thing, and then they leave. They're like, wow, I never thought about this or this or this, or didn't really know exactly how to go about setting themselves up for success with with you know that whole command sequence, and uh, outside of doing the command competencies program which also is a great, you know, I mean, think about that in, in and of itself, how valuable that is uh, as a, as a program to us as command officers. It's huge. Uh, I, I've learned so much from that program alone, just, just by being a dispatcher, it's crazy, but yeah. So it's, it's it, seeing people go through those processes and, and take advantage of people reaching out like yourself uh, and seeing them, then them succeed because they're, they're that serious. They're going to take a weekend, uh, they're going to take an afternoon away from their family, away from other obligations to better themselves, and uh, and then and then develop from there. It's 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 it's, it's awesome. It really is. 
Yeah, and, and I enjoy doing that. And I've always said that, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people help me through my career. Um, <clears throat> so I, I truly believe it's my obligation to pass on what I learned and to try to help people that want to move to that next level. And, uh, you know, I, I, I truly have tried to uh, impress upon people that we can't have this mentality of, you know, well, I got mine, so I'm going to put my arms around it and not try to better the people around me mentality. It's got to be, I got promoted and I need to pass on what I learned to the next generation because let's face it, we're not going to be here forever. You know, I'm not going to be here forever. And I want the people that are coming up behind me to be comfortable and competent at doing their job. Not saying that I'm the end all be all and I know everything, but I want to make sure that, um, the people that are coming into this position are comfortable and have some of the tools that they can build off of, as opposed to just, um, coming in cold and uh, I think that, uh, you know, I, I put it out there as a, as a, a canvas email to uh, all the people that are interested in taking the test. And I tell them I'll take the first 25 people that send me back an email saying that they want to be in. And uh, I usually take 30. And uh, it ends up, uh, I, fill, I fill the place with the 30 people. And uh, we run through scenarios all day. So, you know, it went from a, a quick, you know, four-hour program to like an eight-hour day. And uh, I enjoy doing that kind of stuff because I want to make sure that uh, the people that are coming behind me succeed. So, again, the uh, these were just some of the highlights of that particular chapter. But, uh, again, I recommend uh, The Military Leader by Andrew Stedman. Uh, go out and get the book. Uh, if you can't find it uh, on your normal places that you go to uh, buy books and things, you go to his website, themilitaryleader.com, and uh, you can order it through there. So, Sam, I wanted to... Uh, you know, talk to you a little bit about uh, expectations and um, kind of when I took over for C-Shift from Tracy, Tracy went up to headquarters, I took over for uh, Battalion 1C and uh, so I kind of came up with some expectations and it was just a bunch of bulleted points, but they were pretty self-explanatory and uh, I was fortunate moving into this particular uh, um, battalion and shift. I worked in the 1-4 as a relief guys so i knew all these guys and gals and they're good they're good firefighters they're um you know f- they've they got pride in and getting out the door quick they get pride on getting on the scene and doing their job uh pride in the apparatus and they actually pride in in the station you know when you walk in the station you can just see you know the the pride that's in the station and 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 how they approach their job so I kind of wanted to just go over some of the expectations that I have and, and uh, maybe some of the expectations that you're looking forward to kind of uh, pushing off to, to the people that's in, in your, going to be in your battalion because it's going to be a long-term detail for you. So these are going to be your guys for a while. Um, and it's been transient for them, so hopefully this will give them a little bit of stability. So one of the first things that I had talked about was was water supply. And, and those people that know me, they know I'm a big truck guy and, you know, the JV truck, you know, JV engine company, varsity truck company type stuff. And, and you know, got to give those guys a hard time. But we all know without a good water supply and getting the hose line to where the fire is, you know, fire is not going to go out. So it, unless you've got a bunch of cans uh, from the, the, the hook and can guy, you know, the fire is not going to go out. So one of the, the first things that I said, whether it's urban or rural water supply, uh, call your water supply early and ensure that everybody knows the plan. Uh, we run into these issues where um, you call your water supply and then it ends up not being what you think it is and or you, you don't call the plan, especially in under rural water supply where you're going to be getting a static water source. And if you're not calling where that water source has come from, that's delay in getting water to your fire apparatus and delay in getting water on the fire. So again, it all comes down to that two-way communication. Call your water supply 
call the specific engine company that's responsible for um, completing your water supply, make sure they understand and repeat it back to you. That's that simple two-way communication. Um, so there is no mistake on what we're doing. What, you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, it's um, having the, the great thing about expectations. Uh, well, I mean, I think they're absolutely necessary and you got to make them pretty, there, there's general and specific ones. And certainly the specific ones are ones like that, where it's like, Hey, look, one, one of the things that's helped aided me in my career, uh, certainly as a company officer was making sure that water supply plan was figured out in route and made sure it was clear for everybody. And, and you know, and certainly addressing any, any questions about it in route. And I think, you know, most of our company officers do a great job. They're able to, they're in the map book. Uh, they're kind of still keeping their eye on the road for their driver in case something happens that they don't see. And they're able to communicate on the radio as well. It's a lot going on. And, you know, the whole theory of multitasking, you're not doing everything simultaneously. There's microseconds of splits between your, your, uh, your attention. So, but all that's, all that's important. And, you know, I, I've already sent an expectations email out and it was because I, this is the, I'm the, the second guy that's been in this long-term relief spot. I wanted to make sure that a, I, and I had sat down with the prior guy who got, uh, you know, um, who had gotten promoted, uh, Paul Lancaster at a spot to a battalion chief, a permanent spot. His, his expectations were so spot on that I, I led with those in my expectations emails. And I said, I said, you know, I, I don't have much of a different expectation than Paul has for you, but here's a little about me. Um, here's a little bit about uh, what you can expect from me because we're all different. But, you know, in the height of what I did was I made a calculated decision with everything going on with COVID, knowing how much stress that has uh, given these folks, um, knowing they've they've had a uh, their primary battalion chief be off for an extended period of time, and then having um, a second person come in, and who's probably going to be there, I'll at least be there a few months, if not longer, and maybe you know there's a remote chance that if um, depending on how things fall, then I might be promoted in that spot. I've, you know, there's I'd say there's a slight chance of that, but I wanted to know that them to know that in the interim that I felt Paul's expectations were were so good and so in line with what i would expect that i didn't want to change it up too much on them because i didn't want to add an extra stressor to them because they're already at maximum stress everything about this covid and not just our response uh matrix not not just um you know cleaning the firehouse and making sure your folks are wearing their appropriate ppe and all that stuff but you know your home life is 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 upside down right now and uh, some of us have it better than others. And, you know, you have to keep that perspective. in. so when I sent my expectations out, they it really was a reiteration of what Paul had said. And then and then a little bit about myself for folks that didn't know me well enough or didn't know maybe what I, you know, what I would expect as a battalion chief. But I didn't want to flip the script on him and I didn't really need to. I, I think even if COVID hadn't been there, I would have. Um, I certainly would have kept a lot of what Paul had in place because it was really, was really, it was exceptional. And, uh, and you know, he's like, he's like, we are, we, we love this thing. I think we'd sooner die than not be right by it. And, 
and he's a, he's an aggressive thinking, intelligent, knowing firefighter uh, at the base level. And I think we are too. And so I, my, my expectations was uh, my, my communications was, was actually pretty, wasn't as detailed as it will, it will be when I want to take a permanent spot, you know, where I know I'll be there for a long time. That's uh, yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, you know, I, I did the same thing with, with the shift that I was taking over, you know, Tracy, that shift was running really well. And, and you know, Tracy made sure that they maintained the, uh, the level that, that they needed to, uh, make sure that they're sticking with, you know, what needs to be done on the fire ground and that they're not complacent. So there wasn't a lot of change that I had to do. Uh, all I wanted to really do was just kind of reiterate uh, the things that, uh, that I felt were important. And, um, you know, even though I told him, I said, you know, these expectations are going to be more of a review and you may be saying to yourself you know well i'm already doing that and that's great i just wanted to make sure that there was no questions and then you know i set i sent those out um probably about a week before i was planning on taking over so they could just kind of have them kind of go over them if they wanted to or whatever they decided to do and then my first shift uh i had slated um uh, two two-hour slots to meet with uh, the, each half of the battalion um, on my first day just to kind of go over, uh, quickly go over the bulleted points of my expectations and then, uh, you know, ask them if they had any questions. And um, and then we went from there. You know, there were some good questions, you know, things that they, what they had expected from me, uh, also what they kind of uh, expected from uh, to get out of the county and uh, maybe point out some deficiencies and things that they'd like to, to maybe look at changing or things that they would like to, uh, you know, work on when it comes to training and things like that. And um, it was a really productive conversation. And uh, I was actually fortunate enough, instead of just meeting with the officers, I, went, I was only going to meet with the lieutenants and captains. And I decided, you know what? Let's bring all the people down. So we're, I'm talking to everybody. So not only do they know what I'm saying to their officer and what I expect from the officers, but what they can expect from me as well as they'll have an idea of what I feel is important uh, on the fire ground. Um, the next thing we talked about was ladders and, and uh, you know, being a, a big truck guy, I, ladders are right up there with water supply. It's one of the more, most important things we do on the fire ground. And what we tell everybody is, you know, ladders are for us. You know, and and uh, in case we got to get out, so they they needed to understand uh, where we were coming from, and uh, we talked about engine and truck work, um, the expectations for that, and then um, when we we kind of broke down each of those particular uh, expectations, we talked about line placement and selecting hand lines, and uh, as well as the other components that go with truck work like search and rescue and overhaul and, and salvage and things like that. Um, all of those things are your bread and butter skills and those are important. And I think that sometimes, especially in today's fire service where it's so technical and can be kind of complicated, we kind of lose track of those bread and butter things. So I think it's important that we constantly sharpen ourselves on the basics because 90% of the time, what are we rolling out the door to do? We're going out the door to do our EMS calls and we're going out the door to do our fire rescue calls. We're not going out the door for these 
plane crashes into the middle of the street or, or, you know, tankers that overturn and have gasoline and all over the place and burning or, you know, building collapses or, or you know, mass um, casualty incidents. Uh, we're going out for the typical, you know, ch- heart attacks and the uh, cardiac arrest and trouble breathings. And we're going out for alarm bells and house fires and apartment fires, things like that. Those are our bread and butter things. And I think that it was important that we hone our we we continue to hone our skills on the things that we do and what I told him I said I want you to practice and train on the things that we do 90% of the time as opposed to the things that we hardly ever do which is the other 10%. What do you think about that Sam? Yeah, no. I mean it's it, it's um you know I remember that uh that whole edict from a couple um our our couple chiefs ago um uh, chief Bowers who's now actually the chief of my home department ocean city maryland but he his big thing was execute the basics perfectly Mm -hmm. and i think you you lead off with that and you know the the complicated and complex incidents you can always have company drills or battalion drills i should say now that we're uh, battalion on battalion level uh uh, you can have (laughs) battalion drills on those things and you can you can send them uh articles about those things and 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 other other types of reference um, and you can even set up like a quarterly training on some of the complex stuff, but you really got to make sure uh, that those basics are covered because I, and I think if you, if you hone in on the basics and you, and you foster that learning and that reinforcement, I think it also springboards to the complex stuff and um, you know, and, and you can always mix it in, you know, you got to figure your, you, how many years did you did do in the one four? Was it seven, seven? Yeah. So, you know, I would like to think that when I, if, if I, if I end up staying in the spot or if I get promoted into another spot, I, I'd like to stay there for enough years to where, you know, my first interaction and first year or so with them is focusing on the basics and then, and then expanding on those complicated things because, you know, uh, and, and they're all specific to their, to the response districts, you know, in the first battalion, you've got a lot of highways, interstates, that kind of stuff. You know, you think about Rockville, they've got the, Inter, intercoast or uh, what is it, the interstate pipeline and um, uh, the uh, Washington gas, the tank farm and uh, suburban propanes, all, all, you know, their facility and all the bio, the chem bio stuff they have, you know, every, every, every battalion has specific things that you can, as far as complex incidents goes that you can really hone in on specifically. Um, I like what, what chief Davis does. He'll do like tours, uh, but like, you know, with a, a handful of companies that will be the first arriving at, at like one certain uh, target hazard. Um, I know last year, uh, you know, I guess before Christmas, they, they did the Coca-Cola facility there um, in 12's area with those companies right. that, that would do that. And we've done a lot of Metro stuff because we have Metro running through our, our area. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's huge. And, and you know, it, again, it goes back to these are my expectations. I think, you know, I like this. I always like to throw in there. I think they're also your expectations of me um, because, you know, it kind of throws a little bit of ownership element back into them. If they're not already there, maybe they'll be like, well, yeah, he's right. You know, I, I really need to focus on this stuff and make sure we're good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's, you know, what, even with, uh, when we're working with capital fire, we're, we're pretty much hitting those bread and butter skills 
That's what the people want. They want those ladders, attack lines, uh, the auto extrication, rapid intervention stuff. You know, we, we get into these rapid intervention drills uh, when we teach these classes, and they're not huge, uh, complicated things. It's more like, all right, here's the scenario. I need you to go in and, and affect a rescue. How are you going to do it, you know, type of thing. And uh, it's it's those, the, I don't want to say a rapid intervention drill or, or a, a mayday is, is bread and butter. It's not. But the, the engine and the truck stuff and, the, you know, the house fire scenarios and those, you know, guard departments, townhouses, um, and the EMS calls and all that stuff, those are our bread and butter. That That's what we do 90% of the time, maybe even more than that. And, and uh, I just wanted to make sure that those guys are proficient. And, and to, to coin a phrase like Tony Tricarico, who works with us, says, he said, don't practice the skill till you get it right. He said, practice it till you can't get it wrong. And uh, that stuck with me for a long, long time because that's getting to the point where it's almost automatic, kind of like when you're driving home and you're thinking about 15 different things and next thing you know, you're pulling up in your driveway. You don't remember the drive home, but you drove home without running over kids on sidewalks and stuff like that because <laughs> it's that it's all that in the back of your mind. Well, that's how I want these guys to approach their, their bread and butter skills. And then um, without going through all of my expectations, that'll be for another show. Uh, one of the last things that I left with my guys, and, and I, I found this out when I was an early, early on as a battalion chief where people – would just stress out over stuff that was well out of their control, even out of my control. Um, and that's what I said. Don't obsess over things that are out of your control. Let me worry about that. Um, one thing that came into mind was that we had a, I had a captain who was at a specific station, and the station wasn't fully staffed. So they had uh, three pieces of apparatus they had to get out on the road, but they only had enough staffing to get two. And this guy just could not get over the fact that they didn't have enough people to get all the apparatus out. And I would tell him, look, you cannot worry about that. As a captain, as the, sh- the leader of that, s- that shift, that station, you have to make decisions and get the right equipment out based on what the call is. We trust you to do that. He could not get over that whole hurdle of, but I can't get the engine in the tower and the ambulance out when we get a building fire. I can only get a couple of things out, and that thing's not going to get out. And that's not good for the citizens. And, I mean, he's going on and on. I'm like, God, listen to me, buddy. You can't stress out over that stuff because you can't change it. I can't change it. So the, what you can do is worry about what you have and do the best job that you can with what you're given. And he just could not get over that. He ended up transferring out, which was probably the best thing for him. And then we got another captain in there who understood the situation, understood that, hey, on any given day, I'm only going to be able to get two pieces of apparatus out of here. It's not my fault. I didn't do this. I know the higher-ups know about it, but I can only do the best that I can do with the amount of people that I'm given. And I will make the decision to take the correct apparatus based on the call that's dispatched. And that's the perfect answer. So that's what I told these guys. Don't stress out over these things that you can't change because all that's going to do is give you heartburn on things that you can't change where you should be focusing on the things that you can do something about, and that's training your people and making sure they're ready for the next level. Yeah, no, yeah, I I couldn't agree more, you know, and it's um, – you try to give folks going into those newer assignments, those, those, those unique assignments, as much intel as you can. And, and sometimes, you know, I think it, it goes down to your, your personality types. Um, 
I, I know of a, you know, I, I think we all know, and I think anybody listening to this can think of an area where a station where the resources aren't optimal and how easy it is to get to, to get caught up in trying to find a solution when really you need to focus on A, the primary mission of getting the rigs out the door, and B, uh, well, really, I guess A should be your, your personnel. you got to focus on them. And then B is getting the rigs out of the door and, and the rest of it, the rest of it is a, yeah, like you said, that's stuff that falls on our shoulders. You know, as I've very, um, I've certainly started to learn it's, it's, you know, the battalion chief is a very unique position in our organization that, and that we're getting feedback from below and from above. And, uh, I call it like a double funnel. Um, you know, the buck really does stop at you because you're, you're not only communicating the department's, um, wishes to the to the members you're not their initiatives um their expectations but you're also communicating the the issues above uh some of them can be fixed and some of them can't and and you gotta really you know it's hard sometimes there, there are certain people you'll never get that through to it's like they'll they'll just they, they just gonna they're they're gonna worry to death about those things but those folks are great in other other positions where they don't have to worry about that. You got to find that person that can go in there, and and focus on what's what's important, and uh, and be able to to kind of filter out the stuff that could really be you really it could consume you if you let it, but you can't let it. And um, yeah, that's important. It's very important. Well, we're at that time, Sam. We've been we've been at it for about an hour, and you know I like to keep this <laughs> at an hour so people can listen to them when they go go down the road. Um, again, uh, I want to thank you for taking the time. You're you're at home and and uh, today with uh, with your wife and your kid, and I know you're working on your lawnmower. You sent me the pictures of you working on your lawnmower, but uh, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk with me about some some of the stuff and stuff that I think is important and it, and it goes to help kind of mold these these uh, guys and girls that are coming up through the ranks to, you know of giving these leadership traits and and uh, hopefully uh, some of the stuff that we hit on the people that are listening can can take and 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 move forward with it and um, again uh, hopefully uh, the next time the next month's podcast we won't be this uh, in the midst of this um, you know, well, I'm sure the pandemic will still be around, but maybe we'll be able to move about a little bit more. If not, I think I've got this remote uh, recording down. Hopefully the levels are good. Um, it's not the optimal way to do it, but it's the safest way for what we're doing right now. So, again, Sam, sure. congratulations, A, on, on moving up into your uh, new assignment. Um, hopefully uh, it'll become permanent for you. And uh, congratulations on your first fire on your second shift. And, uh, again, I'm glad that you are on the sh- same shift as me. Uh, same Kelly day too, I believe Friday. Yeah. And, man. uh, on, on top of that, uh, being cl- living close and everything, hopefully you can come and we can have a, a front porch beer and, um, and I'm sure I'll have you on the show. So again, Sam, thanks a lot for taking your time and being on the show with me. I really appreciate it, brother. It means a lot, man. All right. And, uh, until next month, guys, be safe. And uh, if there's an opportunity to be a leader or put somebody in a leadership position, take it. So with that, have a good, safe month.